Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Wednesday, August 4th. And this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now I said it's a daily show for the month of August. We're at three episodes per week. And so you can expect uh, kind of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday rotation for the month of August. The goal is to have kind of a news episode, a mailbag episode, and a friend or guest episode. And uh, today on the podcast, I am pleased to be joined by Scott McLaughlin of WEEI. You all heard me ramble on about the Bruins offseason so far, and I thought it would be good to get a fresh perspective on the podcast on all things Boston Bruins. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to bring you that chat here in a moment. Before we get to that, Quick reminder to please hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Each new episode will be automatically added to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. Those of you on social media may have noticed that I made a bit of a change to the Instagram and Twitter accounts yesterday. Uh, I was (laughs) kind of annoyed that uh, the accounts were not the same so I went ahead and changed the handles there so both handles now Twitter and Instagram are locked NHL Bruins unfortunately the UCLA people have the um, locked on Bruins taken and so I decided to um, yeah just match them up so it's now locked NHL Bruins on Twitter and on Instagram if you want to follow me my hockey tweets and dad jokes, you can find me at Ian C. McLaren. Before I get to my chat with Scott, uh, just a brief note about Bruins Dev Camp that has been going on this week. A lot of young Bruins hopefuls in the mix, guys who are probably a couple years away, but just trying to show off their stuff. Uh, John Beecher is one guy that has been in the spotlight. He's coming off major shoulder surgery this past season and uh, likely will be back with the Michigan Wolverines uh, to finish off his uh, college career this season. Uh, but the Bruins hopeful that he will be a at least a maybe a third-line guy, uh, maybe second-line potential down the road, uh, but that's still a couple of years away. Um, and the other guy that's really making waves is Mason Lorai on defense, uh, Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic had an article about him this morning and how he's potentially risen to the top of Boston's prospect list. Uh, really that left-hand stalwart defenseman that they're looking for, size, skill, um, and yeah, that's that's pretty exciting for sure and could be quite a hit for the Bruins from their draft last year. Uh, the other notable thing is kind of cool that Chris Kelly, who's the current player development coordinator was joined by former Bruins defenseman Adam McQuaid uh, helping facilitate the day one sessions it's cool to see Adam 
back uh, on the ice with the team wearing black and gold. Adam was on the podcast a few months ago, so you can go back and search that up. It was a great interview with a very likable Bruin both on and off the ice. Uh, Bruins alternate captain Brad Marchand was also at the facility and uh, took part in one of the bike tests uh, that the guys were running through as well. Uh, The Bruins... Four of their seven draft picks this year were on hand. Andre Gasso, Brett Harrison, Ty Gallagher, and Ryan Mast. Uh, the Swedish players in Fabian Lassell, Oscar Jelvich, and goalie Philip Svedebak were not allowed to participate due to the NHL's off-season rules regarding vaccination. Uh, the guys have not been vaccinated because... Sweden uh, isn't as on the ball with those as uh, we are over here in North America, which is uh, a bit of a bummer, but but Fabian was in uh, Michigan for the World Junior Summer Showcase. Uh, Jamie Langebrunner spent some time with him, and uh, yeah, the Bruins still very uh, happy with that pick that they made a couple weeks ago, despite uh, the lingering quote-unquote character issues that I think have been uh, pretty well addressed at this point. So yeah, that's pretty much it, by the way, of Bruins news and notes from the past couple days. Dev Camp going strong. Uh, Great to see some youngsters out there, and uh, probably nobody in the mix there that will challenge for a roster spot this season, although I would say that if there's anybody, it could be Brady Lyle uh, with an opportunity to crack the lineup on the right side of the defense. Uh, but Connor Clifton, it seems, has the third pair locked up unless he's really challenged in uh, in training camp. Before I get to my chat with Scott, here's a quick word about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain to stock all the parts you need. You can save time and money by using Rock Auto. You can you could spend easily up to 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or a car dealership. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is about 353 from a chain store. At Rock Auto, you can get it for 216. They're a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low, and they have everything you could possibly need. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Again, go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I am happy to be joined on the podcast once again by uh, Scott McLaughlin from WEEI Odyssey Sports. He's also the host of of the Skate Pod, and uh, he uh, thankfully agreed to jump on and chat a bit about uh, the Bruins off season so far. Thanks so much uh, for jumping on again, Scott. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Ian. No problem at all. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, kind of the biggest thing going on in, in Bruins land right now is the uh, the David Krejci decision to to head back to the Czech Republic and the uh, the fallout from that, not only emotionally among the fan base, but also uh, you know just how the roster is going to uh, look without him. Uh, before we get into that, you've been around the team for a while. Uh, just maybe. Talk a bit about what David Krejci has meant to the Bruins 
over the past, I guess it was 14 years that he was with the team. Just how important was David Krejci to the the success of the Bruins, both, uh, you know, on and off the ice? I mean, so important. Like, it can't be overstated. (laughs) You know, just look at, you know, look, look at, like, the stretches, the times where he's been injured or banged up and, like, how much they struggle. And, you know, that goes all the way back to, the 2010 playoffs when they blow that 3-0 lead to the Flyers. And it's like, yeah, everyone focuses on the collapse. And like, unfortunately that became part of Tuka Rask's legacy, but that series really changed when Krejci got hurt. Like yeah, the Bruins absolutely. just weren't the same once that happened. And then you see what, how important a healthy Krejci is the next year. He leads the team uh, in postseason scoring and they win the Stanley cup uh, leads them in postseason scoring again, two years later and they get to the cup final. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was just a huge part of it because it's having those top two centers with him and Bergeron locked up and in place and so consistent for that long. It's like, you can't overstate how much that's meant to the team. And obviously there are other key pieces, Char on the blue line, you know, Thomas or Raskinette and, and you need everything and you need to build around that. But having those two franchise cornerstones centering your top two lines has you know, just been so important. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, unfortunately, like now comes the scary part where <laughs> you're going to start learning what life's like when you right now don't have one of them. And, you know, in a couple years, few years, uh, don't have both of them. So, you know, it's, it's not easy to find those. It's not easy to find one number one yeah, center, right, yeah. never, never mind you know, have the stability of two of them there for, for well over a decade. Yeah. Were you surprised that, uh, that he decided to go back to the Czech Republic? I know it was kind of reported and rumored and that, or he even came out and said that he was going to take some time to think about his, his future. I think the common thought was that with Taylor Hall back in the mix, he might come back for one, maybe two seasons to try to, to make good on, you know, having some, consistent wingers for the first time in a while uh, were you surprised that he ultimately decided to to head back home or or did you think it was uh kind of just bound to happen uh a little surprised just just for the reason you mentioned because i think he he legitimately loved playing with taylor hall and craig smith on his line for a few months and he talked about that after the season you could tell he you know he sounded like a guy who who was probably happier than he had been in, in, in quite a while. Just the way he talked about not just their chemistry on the ice, but how much he got along with both of them off the ice and became, you know, really close friends with them in a very short period of time. Uh, but at the same time, this, you know, going home to the Czech Republic is also something he's wanted to do for a long time. I think he's felt that pull for a while. And, you know, if you were looking at it leading up to this, when his contract expired would kind of be a natural point where you'd wonder if that decision was going to come in at that point. And it ended up that, that, that is when he ended up deciding. Uh, but I, I'm sure it was a tough decision. And I think that's probably why we didn't find out about it right away. Why it wasn't, you know, made a week after the season. And, you know, I think it was probably made a little before that announcement came out. I think the Bruins knew before free agency for sure. Yeah. But I do think it probably took him a little while. And I think that's why, you know, I think if the Bruins weren't really a great team and they didn't have wingers for him, 
you know, they didn't re-sign Hall or whatever, it probably would have been a little easier decision. I think that made it tougher and it gave him something to think about, but ultimately that pull of home was just too much. And that's ultimately what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And totally. I've seen a lot of people. I don't think I've seen anybody really criticize him for that. It's, it's a, an understandable decision, especially with, you know, his parents being back there, they don't speak English. He wants to get his kids kind of uh, ingratiated in, in his Czech culture and, and totally, uh, totally respect that. And um, yeah, we wish him the best, certainly moving forward. And hopefully, like he said in his statement, he's back, back in Boston at some point. Um, do you think there's a, a Jersey retirement ceremony uh, in his future in Boston? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I don't think it'll be that long into the future. You know, I imagine a few years at most, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I saw someone meant say something like it might be along a Rick Middleton timeline. And I don't see that at all. I think it's going to be way before that. Yeah. You know, Rick Middleton had to wait, what, 30 years. Like it's not going to be that. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's top 10 across the board and like every statistics much closer to the top in terms of playoff statistics uh, won a cup, which is something, you know, Middleton didn't do here. Right. So, you know, I think it's, it's not going to be, there's going to be four guys from this era whose number is going to re- be retired probably within the next decade. And obviously Bergeron and Char, you know, they're the two obvious ones, but yeah, Krejci feel, feels pretty obvious to me. And then Marshawn eventually. Yeah. So, you know, ask do you think that's where it gets interesting. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think, Rask and Thomas both have cases Rask for the longevity and consistency over a decade. Uh, but, you know, obviously doesn't quite have the reputation of those other guys right. among a lot of fans. And then Thomas, you know, he has the peaks. He has the two, uh, two Vezinas and the Con Smythe and the cup, mm-hmm. but, you know, wasn't here as long. So I, I think that's going to be interesting for both of them. I feel like those are two that, might end up waiting you know those both might happen down the line right yeah well i guess yeah this coming season they'll start with the long overdue willie o'ree retirement ceremony and then uh maybe chara <laughs> from there would probably be the next guy to to have it done whenever he hangs up his skates I haven't heard much about what his plans are for the season but he could be uh very well back well i guess we'll have to wait and see uh, going back to Krejci, there's a huge gaping hole there at uh, the second line center spot. Don Sweeney kind of said it'll be maybe center by committee for the time being. Uh, what's what's kind of your take on who's going to step into that role? Do you think they'll they'll give Charlie Coyle the uh, the opportunity to win that in camp or to secure that spot? He's certainly being paid like that. Or do you think uh, Jack Stanika is ready to sneak up there? Uh, one of the new guys, perhaps what, how do you see that shaking out uh, in training camp? Yeah, I think Coyle goes in as, as the favorite and I would imagine he'll get first crack. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there will probably be some rotation there in camp and maybe preseason games or whatever, you know, obviously having a more normal preseason helps figure those things out. I know, you know, this past preseason, which was really only a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and like going into the bubble and stuff, Cassidy basically wanted to like have his line set and roll with those and like hope to get chemistry. I think there's a little more time and space to experiment this preseason with a more normal build up to the season. Right. Uh, 
but I feel like Coyle's got to be viewed as the favorite. Um, you know, obviously didn't have a very good season last year, struggled even as the third line center, moved to wing, but there was an injury there. So, you know, we don't know exactly how much that affected him, mm-hmm. but, you know, needed a, a knee, a procedure in his knee after the season. So you hope that, you know, f- the fresh start of a new season, healthy after the procedure, give him two really good wings with Hall and Smith and see what you've got there. Uh, Cause I don't think Stanique is ready. I think, you know, he might need more time in Providence anyways. Mm-hmm. He had a bit of a tough season down there, uh, battled an injury or two, you know, didn't really stick at the NHL level last year. So you don't, I don't think you want to be forcing him into that role and like, cause that's really kind of throwing him, throwing him into the deep end. It's one thing if, yeah he's getting a shot on the third or fourth line and, you know, a little less of a role, but second line is that that'd be a pretty big ask for him. Felino, I think is better suited on the wing at this point in his career. Yeah. It's been a little bit since he's been a regular center. And I don't know if, you know, he's still capable of doing that. They might give him a look there, but Coyle would certainly seem like the favorite. And, uh, you know, I don't think that, I don't think it's a great plan. I think it's, uh, you know, I think you would really like to have more of a short bet as your second line center. We've seen, you know, we've seen the second line struggle without surefire second line wingers when you've had to have a rotation or move guys up who don't really belong there. And I think that becomes even more of an issue with center just because it's so, such an important position. So you're kind of banking on, you know, a big bounce back year for Coyle and hope he steps his game up with, talent on his wings but it's it's risky for sure built bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market did you know that built bar has so many delicious flavors there's something for everyone when you talk to a built bar fan they're definitely passionate about their faves if you don't know what they are well you're missing out there's coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream and german chocolate If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you will get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bars delicious, but they're also healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. All great tasting and all healthy. And some are gluten-free, which is important for me as someone with celiac. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Yeah, I guess that brings us to kind of potential external options. And with a bunch of signings kind of in the bottom six, you mentioned Felino probably more suited to a, a third line role. Same with Eric Halla and Thomas Nasik, uh, third, fourth line, bottom six depth uh, with Taylor Hall back in the mix. Really seems as though Jake DeBrusque could be the odd man out there. Do you think he is likely to be dealt for perhaps some center help? I mean, the common thought earlier was that maybe he'd be flipped for some, for some defensive help, but now with this, huge hole on the uh down the middle is he a candidate to be to be moved you think for some help uh at center 
he, he certainly could be, um, you know, I think we don't really know exactly. I'm sure it's different by team, but what his value is or, or how other teams, you know, would even value him at this point. Yeah, like pretty low right it, now is value. Yeah, I would imagine. You know, if, if someone thinks he's a legitimate trade asset, sure. But if, if Don Sweeney is talking to teams about him and they're viewing it more like, Oh, you're dumping DeBrus' salary. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, at that point, like, is it better to just hang on to him and hope he has a bounce back season? Cause I think right now, you know, if you're bumping coil up to that second line, I think he probably has a spot on the third line with right. Hall, Hall and Felino, you know, figure out whoever's center, who's on which wing or whatever, figure that out. But I, he would seem like a fit there. Um, you know, so I think it would be smart to be looking at, can we include him in a trade to get some sort of upgrade at center? And, you know, one name that's been out there is Christian Dvorak in right, Arizona. Yeah. And that even kind of makes sense from a salary perspective, like DeBrusque and maybe should a little more salary elsewhere. And you can fit Dvorak because I think he's 4.5 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like something like that can make sense. But if Arizona's sitting there saying, well, we don't really value DeBrusque and that seems like a salary dump to us. You're going to have to throw in, you know, a first round pick and another prospect. Right. Like I'm not that high on Dvorak. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a slam dunk, great number two center. So, you know, it, it, at some point, if his value is so low, it might be better for the Bruins to just hold on to DeBrusque and, and work with him to get his head right and, and get his game right and hope he has a bounce back season. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think I think he would be best – well, both parties would be best served trying to get him back in the lineup – like you said, probably on that third line spot. I don't love having an off wing on the, on the other side. Like I don't think he was put in the best position last year trying to play right. So hopefully Felino can, can maybe do that or um, something like that. But yeah, his value right now certainly isn't great. And I think the Bruins would be yeah, better off trying to get his confidence back up if they want to trade him later on in the season his value would certainly be higher if he's able to get back in the lineup and succeed there. So I tend to agree with that. Another name I've been thinking about is, is Ryan Strom in New York. He's believed to be available. doesn't quite bring the, the defensive game that you know, a Krejci would, but is that somebody that uh, you could see kind of fitting into the Bruins lineup or not really quite a, a Bruins style player? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That- I like Strobe too. Um, certainly a, a talented offensive player. And I think his, I think he's right in that same range as Dvorak salary wise. Like, yeah, I think he's 4.5. So that's, you know, a similar idea in terms of like, you could find a way to make it fit. Obviously you need to be shipping out salary. And again, DeBrusque, probably the most obvious option uh, in that, like above $3 million range. Mm. Um so, yeah, you know, look, if I'm Sweeney, I'm definitely looking around and seeing what's out there because I I wouldn't be comfortable going into the season without, like, a surefire number two center. Right. And I think Strom is that. Like, I think he mm-hmm. he can play in the top six on, on a good team, you know. So 
and especially if you're giving him Hall and Smith as his wingers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, poke around. Like the Rangers are having this very weird off season where mm-hmm. I think they think they're they're building a team that's going to like be more of a contender. I'm not sure uh, too many other people see it that way, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it's like Strom's it like they don't really have six top six forwards anymore and he would be one of them. So I don't, you know, I don't know, like are they moving him out because he doesn't fit this new grit thing that they're doing, or are they going to try to lock him up because, Hey, you got to hang on to at least some skill. Right. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, I would certainly be looking at that. Yeah. I guess there's still the, if they move him, maybe they make a swing for Eichel as well. That that's a possibility. Um, but who knows? Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to ask you about the, uh, the goaltending situation. I think a lot of people were surprised by not that Linus Allmark was brought in, but just the, the length of his deal and the, the size of his deal four years, 20 million total, um, obviously kind of hedging, uh, the Tuka Rask situation. Uh, I think I saw him last night. Uh, there was a picture of him Tukarask at the Guns N' Roses show at, at Fenway he's standing there on his crutches. So obviously he's well enough to, to get out of the house at this point. Um, do you think the Allmark signing signals that if he's not able to come back or doesn't want to come back they're they're prepared to move on? Or do you think he, he will be back with the team at some point, uh, maybe early in the new year? Um. I think at this point, Rask is more like a break glass situation where, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you have the Bruins and Olmark and Swayman are playing well as a tandem and they're healthy and you're getting to, you know, January, February, whenever, I don't know that there's really a need to to bring Rask back unless it's super cheap and he's okay with like just kind of, being there no guaranteed playing time almost as like another coach type situation i don't know if he would be you know i have no idea but like you're certainly not going to be giving him real money if you already have two goalies playing well that are healthy right so you know but if something goes wrong look Allmark has battled some injuries in his career swayman is still a rookie who's only played 10 nhl games and they were you know he performed great in those 10 games but you don't know. It's possible, you know, his second pro season doesn't go as well or, you know, he starts to wear down a little or he needs some time in Providence at some point. So there's situations where it, having Rask on the back burner as an option to bring back at some point is nice because it, it that would at least save you from like having to go out and trade for a goalie at the deadline. Right. Um, but I could also see a situation where the Bruins end up saying, Hey, our goalie situation's really good right now. Uh, you know, sorry, Tuka, we just we don't have the money, we don't have the the room on the roster to fit you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see to see how that plays out. And I think overall, for me, it just seems like there has been a lot more uh, turnover, or a lot more changes to the roster than than I had anticipated, especially with you know Richie not qualified. Kasha, we couldn't have counted on him necessarily, but not being qualified. Are you surprised by the just general amount of, of changes to the roster this offseason? Um, not so much depth-wise. Like, right. I think we knew they were going to have to address 
the third, you know, third and fourth lines and third defense pairing, because those are areas that hurt them in the playoffs. I guess what surprises me is that I didn't think they would spend all this money on depth right? without, you know, and not bring in a, a surefire top four left D or if, you know, knowing that Krejci was gone, uh, a more certain bet at number two center. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly had the money to address one or both of those areas and really kind of took a, a quality over quantity approach, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's going to work out for them. You know, it, it certainly changed their quote unquote identity. And, you know, I thought a lot about like the times of season that Bruce Cassidy talked about passengers and guys in the right. bottom, you know, guys at the bottom of the lineup, like not doing enough. I think they addressed that. You know, I think these guys they brought in Felino, Hall, and Noshek, Forbort, like they're not going to be passengers. They're going to bring their effort every night for sure. Mm-hmm. So you did address that, but you, you paid a, a lot of money to do it and yeah. left yourself with still some holes higher up in the lineup. Uh, so, you know, may, maybe it offsets that. Maybe having better depth spread throughout the lineup, uh, you know, gets you to a better place than last year. But I feel like, you know, not having a surefire number two center and not really upgrading the left side of your defense. Because to me, Forbort's like, if you want to say he's an upgrade over Lozon, fine. Like, uh, you know, but I think it would be a marginal one. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. Forbort's really anything special. Uh, and, and you brought back Riley, who I like, but that was another place where I was like, could you potentially move on from Riley and upgrade that spot? And they just sort of, you know, I think it looks like settled for, I don't know, call them three, like second pairing left defenseman, maybe, right? but still without, you know, a true top pairing guy on that side. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would be a little worried about having, question marks higher up in the lineup even if you solidified the bottom of the lineup a little more yeah for sure i totally agree it's it was weird it's weird to look at their their cap friendly page and see yeah they have they're up against the cap still with that glaring need at the the second line center spot Uh, it's gonna be fascinating to see kind of uh how they how they feel that whether it's internally or if they do pull off a trade at some point um yeah I, I don't know how it's going to go. I, I'm not convinced Charlie Coyle's the answer there and, and really interested to see what uh, Don Sweeney has up his sleeve. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Scott, for, for taking some time to, to chat this morning. Where can people find, uh, find your, your Bruins coverage? I can find it on WEI.com. Follow me on Twitter at S McLaughlin nine. Uh, yeah. Check out the, the, the skate podcast. We don't record every day. Like Ian does. Uh, yeah. that is or you're what like a few it's, times uh, a week three days now. a week yeah yeah now, yeah which is nice nice little break for sure yeah so we're we're a little more infrequent on the on the skate podcast especially during the off season but mm-hmm. yeah you can ch- check me out there as well perfect well uh thanks so much scott and ha- enjoy uh enjoy the rest of the off season do you have any any plans for august or uh not really so we have a the like big thing I'm working on now is a uh, WEI every year does a radio telethon for the Jimmy mm. fund here in Boston. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, so it helps cancer research, uh, kids with cancer, all that stuff. So 
that's like our, our big annual event and that's coming up at the end of August. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, yeah, all the best with that. And we'll uh, touch base for sure. Once uh training camp gets rolling and we get into the, uh, into the regular season, it's coming up quick. It'll be a short off season for sure. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks Ian. All right. Yeah. Take care, Scott.